0: Welcome to episode 80. Today, author and international school educator Erin Dupree joins us to talk about how language specialists in schools that don't have a formal co-teaching model can still collaborate with colleagues. Welcome to the Teaching Multilingual Learners podcast. This podcast celebrates teachers who answer the calling to serve multilingual students and their families
1: Your
0: Staffing is tied to budgets, and budgets determine how many language specialists you can have at a school. Budgets also determine if co-teaching is possible. What can a language specialist do if they are the only ones in their school? You might use something that I call a collaboration continuum. Instead of formal co-planning and co-teaching assignments consistently, You can selectively collaborate once a unit, or a few times over a unit, or during a particular week, or offer support during a specific learning experience. Erin Dupree's experience will demonstrate the multiple ways language specialists can engage in teacher collaboration besides co-planning and co-teaching. Now, on to today's podcast. With us today is uh, Aaron Dupree. He works at an international in Switzerland. He is a colleague and a friend, and you're gonna notice the way he just presents and the way he speaks about teaching is just, he has this gentle approach to him that's very centered. And you're gonna love how he talks about uh, what he does to collaborate, even if there's no formal structures for collaboration, like schedules. So I know that uh, this is one part of a series of on teacher collaboration where we talk about co-planning, co-teaching, co-assessing, co-reflecting and all the all the topics related to any topic related to teacher collaboration. And I know that a lot of listeners don't actually have a formal structure for collaboration that's not in your schedule, but yet they can still collaborate. And I asked Aaron to come on and uh, to the podcast to talk about that. So before we start, Aaron, can you talk about your experience or give us your teaching context so people know uh, your, your
1: context? Sure, yeah, thanks for having me, Tan. It's great to uh, to talk with you and I've uh, always enjoyed re- reading your blog for the last three years or so and um, and seeing you in London at the ECIS mli conference as well as taking your scaffolding learning course. So yeah, um, my role is I am a English language teacher um, at our school. We call it English language acquisition other schools you might call it EAL or ESL. So I'm uh, an English B teacher for the IB diploma program. Mm. Um, and I'm also our department head, department chair. So I coordinate um, professional learning, professional development for staff regarding uh, language acquisition. I teach classes. Um, I support our um, home language Initiatives which are a bit limited because the school I teach at is a small boarding school in the Swiss Alps in the French uh, region, French-speaking region of Switzerland. I've been here for seventeen years. Um, I came here when I was in my mid twenties, and, and I've stayed ever since and had my family here. Um,
0: it's home. And, wow.
1: And yeah, it's our home. And uh, so, yeah, my job is to help with uh, create, you know, the sort of curricular infrastructure to support English language learners at our school. Um, we have kids from 50 countries, about 80% of the students in our small boarding school speak another language at home. I also um, teach classes myself. I've written a, an IB English B course companion with, published by Hodder that came out last year. Yes, I am an author. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing those royalties. I haven't seen them yet. but um, <laughs> The yeah.
0: royalties will come in That's- through the tweets or the emails that people say, thank you for helping me understand this because I'm going to get that book now.
1: (laughs) No, it's, I mean, it was a really enjoyable process and and it was, it was good for my professional growth. Um, and then I work with teachers too. I, I run, um, a a program called teaching ESL students in mainstream classrooms, which maybe you've heard of, um, I run that as a professional learning program for, for second year teachers at the school. Um, and I kind of diverge from the curriculum a bit, but I, uh, but I use it as sort of the spine of the course to, to facilitate um, discussions around language acquisition, language learners, and, um, and yeah, anyway, I love my job, I love teaching, and I love the place where I live.
0: And I'm honored to have you on. Can you talk about, um, so you don't have a formal collaboration program at your school? Service. Can you tell me about that?
1: So we have, we have a we, our professional development program. We call it professional learning here yes. um, at on American School. Yes. And I'm a, I coordinate some of the programs within that under our director um, of professional learning. And so we have lots of mechanisms and systems and school support, including time and financial support for professional learning. And, um, but in terms of pl- sort of co-planning or, um, or co-teaching those models that are often used in other schools, we don't actually do that. We have had co-teaching in our middle school. We have a small middle school program, so we had an English language teacher who was working with a science teacher. Um, but, but based on some staffing um, reconfiguration, we don't we are not currently doing that. Yeah. Um, and 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 I don't have we don't because of our school and the nature of being a smaller boarding school where we wear many hats. There's not. A system of uh, timetabled co-planning yes. for English language teachers yes. with the content teachers, yes. so we do we do it informally, um, and a lot of that happens kind of just ad hoc. And teachers through their um, through the relationships they built with staff, we have one, two, um, four, seven about seven English language teachers in the school. Wow! Um, and so they coordinate with the content teachers in their respective programs, middle school. The prep years program, which is the pre-IB diploma years program, it's not MYP, but um, we call it the prep years program. And then okay. the DP program. There's me and a colleague who work with our content teachers. So the way we've structured it is, um, you know, there's a lot of informal collaboration. We also asynchronously collaborate through um, by sharing things like Google Classrooms with each other, so we can see what what each teacher is doing. Um, and then we have a once. Um, it's not very frequent and it, and because our campus is kind of spread out, we have a once a month by campus slash program lunch meeting where uh, language teachers sit down with the content teachers and we basically, it's it's meant to, you know, the overarching umbrella is professional development and team building and we do that through talking about students and dealing with student concerns or student placement issues. Um, as well as sharing uh, ideas, teaching tips, um, and so that happens yeah, yeah, about once a month. It used to be a bit more frequent, but one of our buildings is a bit further away, um, and so we it's, it's a bit harder. But this week we've done an entire staff professional learning program by department, um, all asynchronous or sorry all synchronously through Google Meet um, online because we're kind of self isolating because of COVID nineteen, <laughs> and so that's given me some ideas on how we can actually work together a bit more closely yes. um and and uh build you know use technology leverage technology to be a bit more right. uh, in touch because right. it's, it's it's natural to want to be face to face yes um in some ways though being online it kind of forces you to be a bit more methodical and efficient yes. and, and mindful and, and and um you know in, in your planning so I've, I've come around to that um the other thing that we do in terms of uh it's not so much co-planning as it is, um, I guess a, you know, cooperative, uh, collaborative learning. As I lead that program, ESL in the mainstream, TESMC, and so I work with uh, anywhere for, over the years. It's anywhere from six to about ten second-year teachers in the school, and um, we meet um, periodically and run the workshops. And I use Google Classroom to share out resources from that, and so that that's a nice way to build. Collaboration um, to talk a little bit about second language acquisition and, and you know theories associated with that, as well as pl- practical classroom ideas that teachers can carry out. And so, and then um, my role as department head too is I also visit classes. Um, uh, I use kind of the walkthrough model where I visit more frequently but for shorter visits, and um, and I and I try to sustain conversations either through Google Docs depending on the time or face-to-face is more ideal. Um, and we talk about teachers' classrooms. These are language teachers, as well as content teachers who teach um, classes that are you know, uh, primarily um, students who might have you know, anywhere from a beginner to intermediate um, proficiency in English in those, in those content courses, science and social studies. Uh, and, then, so, and then there's also just this sort of extemporaneous kind of ad hoc meetings where a teacher will email me and say, you know, I have a student or I have an issue that I'm dealing with, can I, um, can I, you know, come talk to you about that? Can we find a time? And so that, that happens not all, not all that often, but, but with some regularity, often at the beginning of the year. Yes. Um, and I'm thinking of an idea, which I think it was, is it Paul Shoebottom who was at Frankfurt International School years back, um, who was part of the committee that I used to be on the East AS, um, Multilingual Learning and International Education Committee, um, he, he had uh, this idea of like open, what does he call it? Like lunch door, uh, lunch meetings or open yeah. door lunch meetings where yeah. he's just there in his classroom and, and you know, you send out a message to staff and say, I'm here, bring your lunch. Let's have a chat about students or about a, a pedagogy or something right. like that.
0: So I love, so that's how we do it. At... Sorry, go ahead.
1: Hmm. So i was going to say that's how we do it here.
0: I just love all the ways. So I wrote down, um, I'm I'm hearing really six things. You're saying informal collaboration, you're saying uh, asynchronous uh, collaboration with technology. So people send people work back and forth. You have this lunch meeting once a month, you have a a study group where it's uh, people are learning, it's called Teshmik or or teaching English in the mainstream and uh, to students in the mainstream. So people are learning about Uh, language development theory, and then they're applying it in their courses. I took the course as well when I was at a school in Laos. And then you have, you visit classes, and then you have the last one is this ad hoc meeting. So you really, so so tell me about the benefits of of all that, even though you don't have a formal uh, scheduled timetabled co-teaching, co-planning model at your school because of uh, of circumstances of staffing, which are very relevant to to many teachers and many school districts. They just don't have enough human power, human resources to do that. But what's the benefit of doing Mm -hmm. all of these things?
1: I think the first thing is just building rapport and collegiality because if you, like with our students in our classroom, you, you can be the most effective teacher in terms of pedagogical delivery, but you have to have that emotional, effective component, you know, down and in the, in the forefront of your mind whenever you're interacting with colleagues. So, just having some contact with colleagues <clears throat> lays the groundwork and paves the way for collaboration and being open to just discussion and, and talking about about students. So, I think that's a, a critical piece. Um, just building that social capital that you have as an institution within a school. Um, the other thing is that um, obviously as teachers, we're always thinking, you know, we're always doing, aiming to do the best by our students. So um, I think the benefits are in terms of just having clear communication and communication channels and and through different venues and and forums of focusing on students um, and and trying to figure out, troubleshoot students who might be struggling or um, also, um, you know, dealing with uh, or finding cross-curricular interdisciplinary kind of links between between language teachers, uh, and content teachers, and mutually supporting each other there. And then, um, and then probably another thing too, is it's just uh, sharing of ideas, you know, I think I always, because I'm the professional learning coordinator for, for our school, um, and I run another program, that's that's all about teacher observation. And for first year teachers, it's um, teachers uh, form small kind of a PLC, uh, and they choose a focus topic under guidance from their department head. And then they explore that that focus topic through reading an article together, co- uh, observing each other, um, bringing in third parties, like more veteran teachers to observe and, and to be observed, videoing themselves and then sharing that. I think that, that, that um, underscores this philosophical consideration that I personally buy into, that I think our school buys into, that I think many educators buy into, which is that, um, collaboration is an, is an incredibly important um, way to grow as a teacher. So you learn so much. It's it's great to have people like you who are incredibly erudite in their knowledge and, yeah. and very um, amazing at sharing that knowledge, but you can gain as much if not more from the people who are teaching right next to you. Yes. Both in, often in what you should do, but also sometimes what you shouldn't do. Um, and so that, that collaboration is really yes. critical. Yes. And then the other part of it, um, right. for professional growth and, and getting together and meeting right. either um, in a more planned way or a right. more spontaneous way is right. that it promotes reflection too. So just like the same way we want our students to learn, yes. um, it's, it's the same kind of idea. It's the right. process of learning, right? right. So we, we often learn better when we're right. interacting with others because learning is a social process. Right. Um, so that collaborative piece and then we're and also building in a space to reflect and often reflecting either by ourselves, but also with colleagues can be a, a great um, springboard for for, for growth yeah. as a teacher. Yeah. Um, and as we know, like teaching is of course a science, but it's also an art and more experience, um, the more experience you have, the better you become, but it also you need to exploit the resources you have immediately around you. And those are usually your colleagues and often, um, and they can be the best springboard that you have, uh, sorry, um, uh, what's the expression? They can be a mirror for, yes. for you in terms of reflecting yes. on your learning. Oh. So that's kind of the, the basis of our collaboration as the English language acquisition department at, mm-hmm. at our school.
0: This is fantastic, Erin, because what you're saying is, you, though you don't have a formal uh, timetable co- teacher collaboration uh, program at your school, you still find ways for teachers to come together. To work together to collaborate and it might not look like teachers standing in front of the kids in the classroom working together or pulling kids in small little groups in the same room working together uh, you still are coming together talking about students learning it's great mm-hmm. that teachers do fly to places and they learn in conferences or we invite people over that's just the tipping point but the but the national council The National Council of Staff Development says that the real learning happens when teachers open their doors and they work together. When teachers sit down Mm -hmm. and they and they continuously, over a year, share ideas, refine their practices, co-create something together, um, and that's what you're doing at your school. Uh, So, for example, I'll give you an example, a real one from when I worked in Laos. I had a PE teacher and a few of my kids were in his PE class and he, there was an assessment coming up and the teacher said, can you please look at this assessment with um, your EAI for looking for language? What might what I need to do? I said, not a problem. Um, we never met. We just talked online through email and then Mm -hmm. i worked on it i sent it back to him i said uh, please let me know if this is still uh, keeping the rigor high and and it's assessing your standards and he said yes thank you we'll use it for um, the kids in the future and he did and that that was an example of really informal one-off but that created a culture of collegiality where where we work together
1: no just going to say i think one other sort of side benefit that i just thought of as you were talking there was that I think it also models for our students that, you know, if we want them to be lifelong learners, that we as teachers have to do the same thing. Yes. Yes.
0: And it it models for kids that work is a collaborative endeavor. Mm -hmm. That, and you model collegiality and they see people, they see adults huddled together working. And we are really modeling that for them in in their classes when they say, hey, this is the thing you're going to be doing in the future. This is what we want you to also practice in your classes. To collaborate in small teams to solve problems together. Um, you talked about lunch meetings. What does that look like? Your once a month lunch meetings?
1: Yeah, they're they're pretty they're pretty generally pretty casual. Um, I usually um, t- touch base, you know, about five days or a week before, mm. um, and I kind of align them with our marking periods where we have to kind of report out on students' uh, progress. Um, so that seems kind of a natural time to meet just before those. And, and I, I use, um, because we use the Google suite of education apps, um, I usually send out an agenda and I invite people to add points or, or students' names if there's a concern or a question or a placement issue. And then um, because uh, we meet in a classroom near the cafeteria, so everyone grabs their lunch <laughs> and- um, Prime so real that, estate. You know, yeah, um, it's, it's, it's a common time when we're all kind of uh, "Quote unquote free," yes. um, and it's not outside the school day, no. which can you know impose on people's personal time or other commitments that they have with the school. Because we're a boarding school, people have activities and uh, sports to coach, yes. and things like that, um, duties in the dorms. And then we generally, um, I, I usually try if there's time to give people what I call reading time. So just like look over the agenda because you know email it can be kind of overwhelming, so that people don't always have time to carefully review the agenda in advance. Yeah. So I might give them a few minutes to look at that, I'll project it and um, people can add points if they want. And then, and then we start off and usually, um, I try to always start with a thank you because um, the teachers that I work with work super hard. I mean, they, they wear many hats as, as one does at any school, but particularly at a boarding school yes. where we have kind of a in local parentis philosophy being local parents. Yes. And, um, and then um, we might share a teacher tip to start if someone, if I've in my observations, I uh, found some. I, I you know observed a cool resource or an idea. And I might ask that teacher to share that, and then we'll. Uh, and occasionally, I've I've used. Haven't done it this year, but in the past years, I kind of created a little. I used a Google form and created a little uh, app on my phone, where I could capture student interactions. Oh, cool. So I would go in and I instead of I would look at a student and I would you know um, on the minute every minute I would look at that one student. What are they doing? Are they is it. Um, Pair, you know, teacher presentation, uh, student talk, uh, pair talk, group work, and then usually the kind of um, language skill or or um, domain— are they listening, speaking, reading, or writing? And then I would kind of graph that out using a pie chart and um, share that the aggregate data for the whole department, like how much are students talking? And that could be a talking point too. And then over the year, I would collect data on teachers, and I could share that back with them and say, like, oh, you know, you you set your goal as uh, reducing your teacher talk time. And, Here's, the, here's, here's a rendering of, of, the, of the data I captured over the course of the year. And so we might talk about that kind of stuff, um, the usual housekeeping things. But then we try to get, you know, the bulk of the time focused on students where it's often, um, you know, recently we had a, pl- a placement meeting. Um, so it's thinking about next year for scheduling. We ran some diagnostic tests uh, and, and looked at classroom assessments. Um, and um, we talk about, uh, strategies to support students who might be struggling. Um, and that's generally how it works. And then usually people have to very quickly run off and go back to their class. But that's kind of the spirit of it anyway.
0: Ah, OK, what what a wonderful way of thinking about student observation and teacher observation. So I micro-teach once in a while. Well, I will just put in an iPad and I, I face it. I record myself teaching for five minutes and I'll mm-hmm. stop. Sometimes I usually go like 25 minutes. Uh, but when, now I'm, as you talk, I'm thinking about, oh, why don't I just put it in a room and record the whole room and as, as I'm teaching or as I'm coaching with kids and, I, I, and just focus on one teacher and for every minute, uh-huh. oh, sorry, just focus on one student and for every minute, just go back and say, oh, what is the student doing when as I'm doing something? Or I can That's just- That's a cool tool. Yeah, or I think I'm gonna go and record myself co- um, teaching and i'll just do every minute what am i doing because like, i just when i watch i just watch for, for gen- generally what am i doing but now you're mm-hmm. doing, doing this one minute by minute thing that's really cool thank you for see that is yeah just-
1: i think that's that skeleton gave me that idea actually i know you know her so yeah she 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 and we, we shadowed students um for a day here a few years ago and she said let's look at what students are doing on the minute and then we kind of coded them and that kind of gave me this idea And it it helped, and then using that data to that data-driven model, too, we kind of looked, how does it, um, looking at this data, like, does this help us uh, arrive at a a departmental goal for the year? And so one of our goals was to balance out, um, you know, the skills more evenly within classes and as represented by the data that we were collecting. Like, we wanted to see more opportunities for students to talk and write in class, um, including in content classes. And then and then teachers can get their individual data that I collected and then, um, you know, reflect on that in their, and their self-reflection that they write every year as part of their appraisal process. So
0: can let's circle back to the other things you were talking about. You talked about informal, informal collaboration. Can you talk more about that? Cause that was the first thing you talked about.
1: It, it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it just, it's, it's triggered by something that often sometimes by a student concern or, you know, an administrative question where it's like, Oh, it's. What's, um, what's happening with a student or, or a teacher um, like many international schools you know we have a, a percentage of teachers that turn over every year so you know and every teacher coming with their skill set um, has different expectations um, of, of what, how they teach and, and what their students might be like and so uh, often it's, it's triggered by uh, I, I try to reach out to all new staff and just say should you have a question about um, a student in your class who's an English language learner or a specific, um, theoretical or practical consideration to, to better serve your uh, English language learners in your, cl- in your classroom, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, so and, and then in our monthly meetings, too, I often have um, sent an email to all faculty and said, you know, anyone's welcome to come if you have a question. And I try to model, um, you know, techniques uh, that I would use in my own classroom like right. you do and like you did in your scaffolding learning course. Um, so that people get a get a chance to see see it modeled, and then they can, you know, transfer it back to their own classroom. So often it it it's comes from um, from the teachers themselves, and and or or if there's a perceived issue with a student who might not be who might be struggling academically, or um, the, those kinds of things, uh, or just you know we're in the, we run past each other by the, the copying machine in the faculty room, and it's like oh yeah I, I had a question for you about that and. Um, and
0: so, yeah. And when I talk up about teacher collaboration, I usually talk about uh, co-teaching, co-planning, and I always tell teachers that we are 50% of the relationship, but we have to walk through 100% of the open doors. Even if it's a crap, mm-hmm. we have to open it. And, I, and you, when you were talking about informal collaboration, you were saying, oh, yeah, I once a month I send out an email, or I just make a point to say, please, whenever you want, please come ask me. Please let's collaborate together. And so you make it, you make collaboration as a culture of invitation. You, that's an invitation. You always are trying ah. to invite people to, to work together. So you don't just wait for them to come to you. You, you don't just say, okay, this is my job. I have to teach kids. I'm going to hear you say as part of my job. I would love to work with you and support you and. Um, if there's an assessment or if you want to look at something in particular, please come like my doors, my, my door is always open. I'm here to, to collaborate with you. And so that's how you create a culture of collaboration, by consistently welcoming, being inviting, um, and, and, opening the, like rolling out the carpet for them to say, yes, I'm here for you. I'm here to work with you.
1: Yeah. You really, I think you highlighted that in your workshop in London last February. Um, about how to how to collaborate. That was a really nice workshop and underscored for me some of the, the principles of that You you know you you have to be uh, you have to reach out and be open, but you can't impose yourself on someone. Yes. Um, yes. And and if you do, it doesn't work anyway, right? Because right. it's like, well, this person's just telling you what to do, and right. and that's that's it's, right. it's it's the psychology of, right. of, of working with others and. and um, being a leader a teacher right. leader in a school too right is right. so you, you, you you model what you want right. teachers to do and you um right. and you and you, you have a an open um a spirit of openness right. and invitation right.
0: and i would recommend that one of the best ways to have an open spirit that like you just talked about is not coming to the meeting unless they ask you not coming to the meeting with a full plan of saying here do this it's best to build on what teachers are bringing to you instead of completely giving them something new. So instead right. of working in your little office and saying, Oh, here, I created this for you. Here's your answer. It really, when we work together, yeah. it really empowers teachers.
1: Maybe your website, your website should be called empowering ELLs and empowering teachers.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. I appreciate that. That's very kind. I, and that's what I, my prayer is always uh, may this may my work serve kids. I, I will never meet, and then also say, and teachers I will never meet. So that's the that's the spirit behind yeah. that. You talked about teacher. Uh, you talked about uh, tech and asynchronous collaboration. How do you do that?
1: So one thing that um, I mean, we use the Google suite of education apps, um, and and so one just really simple way to do that is uh, I encourage teachers um, to share their Google classrooms. With their their colleagues or content teachers sharing with um, uh, the the language teacher uh, teachers and language teachers sharing their Google classrooms with the content teachers, right. and then I ask them all to share them with me. Um, and so that way, it's, it's just a way to kind of it's 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 a bit passive, but it also you know you, you when someone updates their Google classroom, you get a notification. You kind of say, oh yeah, that's what they're doing in that classroom, and they use this tool, and like maybe I should check that out. And and um, and they're doing this content and. Um, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this skill and they're doing the same skill. So it just promotes that, that um, you know, in our busy schedules, it just promotes an, another, I guess, level level or layer of, of collaboration, even if it's asynchronous. And I think that can work. There's other ways to do it too. I mean, um, we, uh, you know, we, um, Encourage teachers in the first year, particularly, to, to take videos and share videos of, mm-hmm. of their own teaching with mm-hmm. a small group of teachers in kind of the PLC model. Yeah, it, it's not exactly it's, it's asynchronous in the sense that they're not observing each other directly. They are at moments, but in other moments they're not, and that can, that can be a great, um, you know, springboard for discussion too.
0: Okay, so how do you do the Google Google Classroom stuff? Someone shares you shares with you, adds you as a so, teacher
1: you can add them as the teacher yeah. or you can add them as a student yeah. um both work um yeah, i guess i i guess typically i've asked them to add me as a i think about I, i've got i've worked with both um it's fine just to be added as a student because then you get the student's view of it the teacher view just allows you to add things but i don't ever do that so both work you know similarly and you get notifications for both um so yeah that's good that's a good and then you know there's um there's other, other another form of asynchronous um, collaboration too is so when i visit classes classes um because of our timetable conflicts it's not always possible to have an immediate face-to-face conversation yes so i have a running google doc for each teacher mm-hmm. about 15 teachers content and language that i regularly work with and um and i write some sort of uh, i guess i would say um objective observation of what I saw, and then I asked them some reflective questions like that kind of try to align with their own personal professional goals or the school-wide goals for the year. And then I, then they, they write back and we share resources. So that's another level. And I think that works really well, actually. And then, you know, it's for some teachers, I have um, probably eight years, I've been doing it for maybe eight years, wow. eight years of written reflections back and forth, wow. which doesn't, and then we also have face-to-face conversations. So. If a teacher leaves too and they want a reference i have this great resource i can refer to oh, and wow. i can see the evolution of their teaching yes. that's a nice way to document that yeah, and to you. collaborate asynchronously.
0: wow what a what a great idea aaron can i so when you're added uh to google classroom what do you do there on there as a student or a teacher
1: so so yeah so for if if a, if a teacher adds me um in fact we've been doing this this week because of our our, our shift to remote teaching yes. we've been adding each other extensively to each other's google classrooms and then the idea too is to go into draft posts or 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 to then post it i have a a google classroom that i've been running this week called uh, uh, ela remote learning professional development and so students are our teachers as students are posting their draft assignments um, and how they would structure their remote learning um, units for the for the weeks to come after our holiday here, which comes up next week Mm. and then teachers are going back and forth and commenting on their because we're asking each teacher to post a screen video um, and and to outline the sort of less, the unit or the lesson's goals uh, and explain any kind of assessment, and so teachers are going on to each other and they're it's similar to what you what you mentioned in your scaffolding learning course. We're asking them to um, you know uh, make a compliment or say something positive. Um, I like this. Um, ask a question and then, um, make a suggestion as necessary. And I used your, your sentence, uh, stem. Have you, have you considered yes, um, that yes. you used in your stuff yes. course, and right. there's, so they're commenting on each other's work and then yes. we're having a Google meet yes. each day at, at morning and afternoon to check in because we're okay. doing this big shift this right. week. Right. And so then they can f- kind of follow up on that commenting right. and right. see clarification.
0: So it's resource sharing we are using it as a resource share. Yeah. What a great idea, yeah. Yeah, yeah, are... Resource sharing. right? I think this is that's one of the gems of this episode, Aaron. Like You're going to share this, the way you share this. I know that there are people right now listening, and they're saying, you know, I could do that for my department. I can create a Google Classroom. Teachers come to the Google Class as teachers or uh, as students. They share their uh, work, and people get comments comment on it. So they don't have to sit together at a meeting room, but they can still get ideas and share and comment. What mm-hmm. a great idea, Aaron.
1: We've kind of uh, tried to apply the principle of uh, this acronym, KISS, keep it simple, yes, silly. Yes. And so it's just a simple way to, to work together. You know, it's not overly complicated, and we're using it with our students. So why not use it to help each other?
0: Yes. Keep it. What, what does Einstein say? The highest form of sophistication is simplicity. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, how beautiful that is. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to add, um, I'm thinking about myself. If, if I was to collaborate with teachers on Google Classroom, I've done it before, but but I was I was okay. a co-teacher with them. So that's different. But if I wasn't a co-teacher, I'm still at it. I might go and say, oh, so I noticed your, um, I, might, I might be proactive in saying, I noticed that these are the assignments. Or I noticed that this is the assessment that's going to be due in a week. Um, do you, is there anything that you want me to work with? Or any students you want me to work with in particular? Or is there anything that I should, I need to know about this unit? Um, so I guess it's like a preview. Like you get to see their work or you can say, oh, I noticed that you're doing this topic. I found this video. Would you, uh, would you like to share it with kids? It's up to you. It's always an invitation. So that's how I'm thinking about it.
1: That's a great idea.
0: And then I'm thinking about another thing about, um, you're so intentional about, your, your your timing of the lunch meetings. You said it's about where like the report time. You, you you schedule that, and I'm thinking as well. Um, in addition to if, to that, if teachers want to use that, they can also schedule right before uh, a unit starts or at the end of a unit. So the reason we do that is, at the end of a unit, teachers can reflect on it, and they and you could mm-hmm. be there to support them to reflect. Or at the end of the unit they can start planning for the next unit and so you could be there the, the teachers who use this lunch model can come and uh, co-plan an assessment or a rubric or a big project and that co-planning time can really support them for the rest of the unit
1: yeah that's 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 an excellent idea and you can look at student assessment things yes. too at that time right yes. if it's finishing up the unit yes
0: and this is how you don't have to be in every class but you could still collaborate and still shape instruction well, Aaron, I don't want to take any more of your time because I know you have to go, but I want to thank you for being so uh, clear with your ideas and so consistent. And the, the, the tangible tools that you gave, the tangible strategies you gave, I, I know that li- listeners are going to really appreciate this. Let's end with this metaphor. It's called traffic light teaching. Um, red light is something that you would ask teachers to stop practicing in their craft and a yellow light is you it's something that you ask teachers to start questioning about their practice it doesn't mean they have to stop but slow down and start questioning and then the last one is green what do you recommend teachers keep on doing that's a green that's like a go you can do it my... um before i
1: um i finish off i just want to say thank you Tom, for inviting me it's been a real pleasure and i've, I've learned a ton from you over the last uh, few years reading your blog and, and, and being chances to interact with you now or in, in conferences um and, and in the uh, scaffolding learning course so thank you Aww. my um my red light would probably be um would probably be lecture yes just i think that's, that's an outdated form of it's the transmission model of teaching i think it has a small place you know, short, short, very, very brief. Yes. Um, But when you have tools like Edpuzzle and things like that, you can make it more engaging. Um, And and I know the interesting thing, I I just, I'll just add a little anecdote. I read this um, analysis, this uh, research on students' perception of teachers, and they actually really like teachers who lecture, especially if they have a kind of a good um, stage presence. And I remember that in being in university, but they, but the, and I think that's because it's a passive experience, so you can kind of kick up your heels and just be entertained. Right. But I think the research bears out that by you know interacting in the classroom, you learn more, and the assessment bears that out. So yes. I would say maybe less lecture. For yellow, um, slow down. Um, <laughs> I, I got. I'm kind of. I'm kind of biased too because um, my my own children go to a local school where it's very heavily worksheet based, <laughs> um, kind of the drill and kill model. <gasps> And again, I think like drilling in, in content areas like math and things can be useful in a limited extent, but it's not very engaging. Um, and so that would lead me to my green, which would be just building in like regular interaction in the classroom, yes. students turning and talking, yes. um, moving physical movement in the yes. classroom. It just, yes. it makes such a difference. Right. And even if you're questioning the validity of it educationally, it certainly makes the class more fun. Right. and the Kids are gonna I mean, learn. Right. more when they're having right. more fun. Right. So building in opportunities right. for regular interaction, right. um, specifically speaking and listening. So, right. cause that's kind of a bridge to literacy mm-hmm. that yes. in terms of using yes. language yes. Yes. and then also, um, and then, yeah. And just, uh, physical movement, I would say in the classroom, whether it's just getting up and moving to a station yes. or doing some kind of jigsaw activity or four corners, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Just, I, I have that it's regularly built into my classroom right. daily routines that right. I just think especially for language learners. It's it just, it adds, an, right. it adds more engagement.
0: My quote that when you were talking about student interaction, I always say my quote is students talking all day, mostly to each other. There's space and there's time for teacher talk, but most of the interaction that's is happening is between students and students talking and creating and debating and, and, and uh, co-constructing and analyzing together and just clarifying what, they think just clarifying that what their understanding is. And that's, that's where the engagement is. Because I think Sam, Samantha Bennett said that the student doing the speaking is doing the thinking and the student doing the thinking is doing the learning.
1: And it's like, yes. I remember it. that from your course. That's mm-hmm. a great one.
0: Oh, I did not pay Aaron to come online to say this. I, cause I was like, no, nah, but I appreciate you being so kind and saying that. Okay, Aaron. It's a great
1: course. If it, any of your listeners get the chance, they should take your scaffolding learning course. It'll be one of the best things they do for <sighs> professional growth.
0: That's really kind. I'm blushing. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, I'll let you go. Okay. Thank you for sharing okay. your wisdom, Aaron. We appreciate you so much.
1: Thanks for the invitation. Okay.
0: Before we recap this episode, I have a favor and an invitation. My favor is to ask you to please review this podcast if you found it valuable so that teachers like you become inspired and informed in their advocacy work. My invitation is for you to enroll in my scaffolding learning or teacher collaboration courses. I've taken the principles that I've learned from experts in the field. I've applied them to my classes. I kept the things that work and I'm sharing all of them in these courses. I hope you consider enrolling. Now onto our recap. For teachers who work in schools without a formal co-teaching model, there are three things you can consider. Market your services. Send emails, create posters, and most importantly, join co-planning meetings during lunch or at other times if possible. Take a yes approach. As much as possible, accept any invitation to collaborate from something as small as looking at a document to something more substantial as modeling a strategy. That's still collaborating. And students still benefit. And that's where the seed of the relationship starts. Third is take the first step. When you see the opportunity, ask if they would like to collaborate with you. Each opportunity is a seed. Robert Louis Stevens said, don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds that you plant. Keep on planting. I hope it helped you find ways to collaborate with your teachers in an informal way if there are no formal structures for co-teaching. If we don't do this, The opportunity to co-teach formally will never exist. We have to show our administrators and our colleagues that co-teaching can be successful, one small opportunity at a time. In the next episode, we'll have Angela and Susan join us to share how they started collaborating together. There's a blog post that accompanies this podcast. If you'd like to read the blog post, please go to my website. The link to the blog post will also be in the show notes. Thank you for listening. I'll see you soon. Be safe and be rooted in peace. It's your turn to play Traffic Light Teaching. Tweet at me either your red, yellow, or green light from this particular episode.
1: Your beautiful smile. You're-